There was no game today. A welcome respite after the way the Guardians have been playing of late. We're going to talk some draft on today's show. The draft is 10 days away. Uh, seems like a perfect time to talk about what is the primary way this team goes about adding talent. Go through this roster. It has become the way the Cleveland Guardians add talent to their system on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. <laughs> Are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7. Now all of Locked On. Hey, Guardians fans, you're going to love this. Today's episode was brought to you by the Sports Card Investor app. Welcome to the world of trading cards reimagined. Stay tuned later in the show for more information on this awesome, awesome new tool for collectors. You're going to want to check out the Sports Card Investor app. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Again, I am Jeff Ellis, host of Locked On Guardians, as I have been since the show began. Uh, before then, I was a writer primarily, and I still do some writing. Uh, I am up to, let's see what the word count is, uh, almost 5,000 words so far through about, uh, let's see, I have 20, 23 and a half write-ups for this year's MLB draft. Will I get to 50? I don't know, but I'll at least have a list of it, uh, because that's what I used to do as a writer for M, uh, Scout and, uh, 24-7, as I stated earlier, focused on the draft. Let's talk about the Guardians. So, I was I don't know if I I don't know if I had a hard take like I did about the last three players the Guardians outrighted off their roster. But uh Tobias Myers was claimed by the well he wasn't claimed by the Giants. He was traded for um cash. So at the end of the day the Guardians traded him for cash. Uh did not work out for him once they got him from the Rays. The Giants must decide they need pitching depth. They're willing to take that chance. Uh, and they had the spot to add him, so he is traded to the Giants for cash. I know there are people who make a big deal. Uh, you know, they give up a, a kid in low A for... Here's the thing with Myers. Myers had had trouble maintaining his stuff. Cleveland's good at helping pitchers do that. Uh, I think it was a worthwhile gamble. It didn't work out. This team... Listen, when you're throwing out there, you know, Kirk McCarty and Tanner Tully and uh, Logan Allen, the the elder... For multiple starts for this team, you, you needed more pitching depth. And the loss of Cody Morris so far for the entire season was a big blow. And, yeah, uh, the, I don't blame them for that. And Junior Camacho, was that his name? Uh, I, I looked up the stats today. He's got like a 680 OPS and rookie ball. He is struggling. So it's not, you know, I see other people freaking out because Yonder Diaz was on the uh, catcher list for the Futures game. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So segment one's kind of prospect, transactions. Segment two and three, we'll talk draft. So Yanner Diaz, along with uh, Maton, went to Houston for Miles Straw. And because Straw's struggling, everyone's also like doing a lot of you know, uh, secondhand talk on that trade. One, Stephen Kwan wasn't really Stephen Kwan yet. We He wasn't forcing you to take notice. He was an interesting player. They had no internal options in center field, and they had not had a real center fielder in a long time. Two, Miles Straw is a gold glove 
gold glove level defender who many teams would gladly have right now. I, I spent the entire offseason talking with Mariners fans who thought that he was someone that they should, uh, that the Mariners should try to acquire him from Cleveland. Uh, two, I mean, those are the, the you know, that is two. Uh, three, Yonder Diaz isn't a catcher. He's going to be a DH. And uh, he would have been Rule 5 eligible, and they already had enough headaches to worry about. I, You know, if Diaz works out, he's going to work out as a first-base DH. I don't think it's worth getting upset for. Again, Straw, he's got some really weird data. But what's going on with him, this is my one concern. Like, he needs to... feels like one of those things where Christopher Lakers should be stepping in and working with the approach because he's... I'm trying to remember if it's he's not being aggressive enough or he's being too aggressive with the first pitch, but... Uh, you know, I saw some great things about that today with him and trying to explain what's going on. But I think, you know, the the Myers deal is a fail. There's no way around it. But it's such a minor fail. I don't, I'm okay with the gamble. Straw, I still think that's a net win. We'll have to wait and see. But it is so hard to find a center fielder in baseball. I would argue right now it it is on par with finding a shortstop. It might be easier because so many people come up at that short position anymore to find a good shortstop as opposed to a good center fielder. Catcher is obviously the hardest, but those are clearly the three hardest positions to fill offensively. Should we get into the futures game? Should we get into the discussed potential promotion? Uh, let's talk. So everyone and their grandmother is essentially, Nolan Jones didn't play today. Okay, he was taken out of the lineup. Uh, a lot of the reporters... Uh, in Cleveland, kind of reporting that fact that, hey, look, he is out there, he is available, or not he's available, sorry, I was looking at something else, that he is out, he is not out there. Man, it's late, I'm going to apologize, that he is not playing. It does seem like a call-up is coming. More than likely, I assume Naylor is going to the disabled list. I do question why they waited so many days to do it. They could have, like, that's, this has been my problem with the Jose situation, and it's my problem with the Naylor situation. Like, don't wait, you know, just if a guy's hurt, he's hurt. It's both those guys have situations. Back spasms are pretty horrible. <laughs> it's not something he's going to just magically be. I mean, though, at the same time, I guess with back spasms, it does almost feel like it's just one day it's magically better. But why putz around with it? Just put him on the disabled list for a bit. And then when it comes to Jose, I mean, th- a thumb isn't going to magically get better without rest. Just let him rest <laughs> for crying out loud. But yeah, it does seem like Nolan Jones is coming up. I think right now it's likely going to be uh, with Naylor hitting the 10-day disabled list, which they can uh, retroactively because they'll call him up tomorrow. And that's the thing, too. It's like all of this is just minor manipulation. You're like, why didn't they call him up on Thursday? Well, because they need to have one more day of service time. That's more than likely the reason why. I mean, there's not really another great reason to, to delay, so probably has something to do with service time. I feel like, well, they could use an outfielder. Remember, again, Brennan has to be added to the 40-man. You have to cut someone. They've been hesitant to cut a lot of guys from this roster. Though, again, Oscar Mercado is just sitting there staring at you. But they, Tito loves vets. He'd much rather run out there with an Oscar Mercado who's failed four times as a big leader, big leaguer than try out Alex Call, who'd be who's the same age, essentially, but would be a rookie. Uh, on top of, so we talked about Jones's impending promotion. We talked about the trade of Tobias Myers. We talked about some of the trades people are having issues with looking back a year later. Uh, futures game. So it was announced for the futures game. Uh, John Kenzie Noel and Brian Roroke, no, George Valera are going to play. 
on the world side, great. Both of them have earned that spot. I don't think there was any argument or fight. I saw some people saying Gavin Williams should have made it. I know Keith Law did that in his article. Guardians already had two people. Like it's you know again if you want to put them on the world roster that's fine, but yeah, um, they giving any team three would be ridiculous. I also agree with Keith Law. Like Darren Baker was an interesting story. I wrote about him when he was at Cal with Andrew Vaughn and gosh, there was a outfielder who I'm blanking on there who was like a quarterback who was kind of like a a Kyler Murray type of situation where it didn't come together for him. Was it like Brandon McIlwain? Does that sound right? Who I believe, and then like they all ended up together at Cal, and Baker was the least interesting one in the group. He's a real odd choice of a team. It does certainly feel like I. I mean, I feel bad for Darren Baker because like he the biggest his biggest shine moment isn't a shine moment. It's that World Series moment, and he's a perfectly fine minor league player. I don't know if he's ever going to be more than that, but it does it does seem like an odd inclusion on that futures game roster we're going to take our first break here come back talk some draft talk about a little bit about what i'm hearing and explaining why i also i'm taking everything i'm hearing with a big old grain of salt the sports card investor app is a really cool idea it takes a lot of the work out of finding out what your cards are worth right now they are always adding and expanding but they have over 630,000 cards it's not just mlb they are one of our great sponsors here at mlb but it's all sorts of sports even marvel and so I've used it, and I've used similar apps, not for sports cards. That's what makes this original. I, I talked about I use another app for my video games. And it's nice because you scan it, and then with all the apps with this one, it's then going to show you, like, recent sales, what it's selling for on eBay. You can see valuations on your cards right there, and they can even help you then sell your cards. Find the best prices and buy directly through the app with eBay deals feature. You can check the value of your cards with 7 and 30-day charts. See how the value is changing. See if you want to sell high, sell low. It's just great. It's an easy way to go through. If you're like me, I have a closet at home in my mother's house full of cards. This is the easiest way for me to sit back and see if, you know, those years of collecting have accumulated any value. Right now, download the Sports Card Investor app today, available for free in Google Play and the Apple app stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. I mean, I told you guys all about it before. Thanks to that app, I found out I got a John Hanna rookie card from 1973 worth a decent chunk of change, and I was using it to play a board game. So check out the app and save yourself some money or make yourself some money. Okay, so the draft is it's it's coming quickly. Uh, I've been, uh, let's see, I've been on in the past week a Tigers, a White Sox, and a Royals podcast talking about the Guardians and also talking about the draft. And it's an interesting draft in terms of, I can't ever recall one having this many bloodlines. Just to go through real quick. So you, you have Andrew Jones, son of Andrew Jones. You have Cam Collier, son of Lou Collier, Jackson Holiday, son of Matt Holiday, who, by the way, Matt Holiday's dad also coached college baseball for 40 plus years. Brooks Lee, whose dad is the coach at Poly. Uh, Elijah Green, whose dad, Eric Green, played for the Steelers. Jace Jung, whose older brother, Josh, is a prospect with uh, Texas. <laughs> if you're like, oh, are you done? No, no, I'm not. Uh, as I keep going down through, Daniel Susak, his older brother, Andrew, has been a catcher in baseball uh, for quite a few teams. Justin Crawford, son of Carl Crawford. And then, I mean, there's even more. It's <laughs> just like the start of it. You can keep going on this list. It's it is crazy, the bloodlines in this draft class. 
And what I really find interesting in general when you're talking about this class, one, I don't have a pitcher appear on my big board until 19. First 18 players, all hitters. Uh, I have a general view. I'm a little more risk adverse, which is why I tend to be lower on prep arms. And then I also think one of the things, okay, so there's always this traditional view of a safe talent. And I put up the parentheses with safe because like Bo Mills was a safe draft pick, right? Like son of a coach, uh, average-ish tools across the board. Uh, he's safe. He's got average tools. He's just going to be like a, a solid starter. Problem with that guy is we don't, no one is safe. <laughs> no one is is that guy you draft him. And I know what you're saying, but you said you're less risk adverse. Well, there's the difference between safe and risk adverse. Uh, you know, I always think of, uh, there's multiple guys. I'm trying to think of the first baseman the Blue Jays drafted that uh, it didn't work out with. Uh, Whereas, like, oh, no, that's the guy who's as safe as can be, and it didn't work. And it just comes down to, like, you draft someone, you think, oh, from what we've seen, there's a potential. They should hit for average. Problem is no level they play at. <laughs> shows breaking balls that they're going to see even like in double a right like no college pro like the sec is the best conference head and shoulders in college baseball but it it's a ball honestly as a comparison because there's so many players who won't even play in the minors who won't even get a chance to go on to play professionally it's not might even be closer to like rookie ball or independent ball it can't compare and a lot of guys go out there and they just throw the best pitches they have. And it's, uh, you know, there's not as much necessarily work on development because if you're a college coach, you got to worry about keeping your job. Uh, though one can argue if you develop well, you can look at a program like Louisville that really kind of made its bones with developing and draft picks and players want to go to you because you can do that. But going through this class, uh, you know, I, I, I've talked about before, like Tennessee – was the darling of college baseball this past year. And I've got, what, three of them in my top in my top 50, maybe four. Uh, not the one you think is at the top of the list. But I think in this list, what you're seeing in that mid-round area where the Guardians are going to select, it probably makes the most sense to go bat. Now, uh, I was talking with Willie Hood over from Indians uh, Baseball Insider, and he was he's just tracked out like what their trends are. Um, in terms of what he thinks can happen and like what they've done, uh, you know, it's very clear. The one thing they've done is gone heavy, heavy on, uh, college right hand or yeah, college right hand pitching in general, which again, something they know very well. I am curious to see like how they'll make that work this past year. Um, and now this, I mean, I should say this current year, because the pitching isn't good. You know, it's not, it really isn't set up for them to grab someone there. Unless, and they've kind of, since Daniel Espino, you know, they was Espino, Hankins, and Lenny Torres, where they went for those high ceiling prep arms and multiple drafts in a row. And then everyone assumed they would in 2020. And then they went the opposite way. And now what we have with the data from 2020 and 2021 is targeting arms with good control numbers, targeting cost college performers um, who they think they can maybe get a little bit more out of. This class doesn't necessarily present that unless you're like willing to take a chance on Connor Prelip who 
has thrown like 20 innings in his time in college due to uh in but the nice thing with prelip was like he would pitch for you in the minors this year so there's there's value in that but like had tommy john last year is you know was thrown at uh was it at the combine or was it just like a pro day type of deal either way he was kind of showing up kind of like a cal quantrell situation back when he was at stanford and got hurt but with less of a track record like quantrell at least had one season to show uh prelip had the you know, the COVID season, and then he got hurt last season, and then nothing this year. And there are guys like Gabriel Hughes and Justin Campbell who are kind of in that discussion. And then the prep arms, and the question is, like, would they revisit? We talked about those three guys they drafted that were prep arms. The problem right now is, like, Hankins and Torres um, really haven't lived up. Espino has, but Hankins and Torres, it really hasn't worked well. And a lot of their prep, like, go look at their top prospects in terms of pitching right now. And it's mostly college arms. They've had more success there. And I think part of that is because you have so much data now. Most colleges are willing to share out that information, that data. Uh, you know, I'm sure like I, I am a follower who, uh, I think he works with the, I don't know what major league baseball team he works with now. Uh, but he like used to do a lot of the analytics at Kansas state. And I'm sure he had interactions with the guardians because they love to share out their data. Because if you are that person, I'm not saying he did, but I'm betting it did. Cause here's what happens. If you're the analytics person who collects all the data for Kansas state, Kansas state doesn't have a lot of guys who get drafted. They just don't. It's not a huge baseball program. So you gladly share that data because it helps those players get drafted. And the more guys get drafted, the better for your program. And data like that is probably partially what contributed to someone like Will Brennan. Will Brennan, listen, you can go back and find my write-ups. You can go back and find me talking about him on this very podcast, about how he was the ideal two-way player. Because he's a backup, he's a fourth outfield type, and he can be a loogie-type reliever. There's not too stress in either of those roles, and he can do that and be a really effective two-way guy. I thought, this is the dude. And he was announced as a two-way player, and he's drafted uh, then they just had him focus on hitting very much the right choice. And he has elevated himself extent. I mean, this year in particular, last year, we talked about him a bit, you know, he had, uh, he was playing well this year. He's just an entirely different animal. It's, he's one of the top 10 prospects on this team, but that that's, you know, the data you saw, right? Like they draft him in 2019. He doesn't pitch, uh, that year. Cause it's this draft year, 2020, maybe they would have still kept him and let him throw a little, but COVID year, and after that, they just had him go right in with the bats. But it helps when you have that additional data. I mean, I'm, I don't know for guys like uh, Rodney Boone and Tanner uh, Bybee if they got a lot of advanced data, but that stuff shows, right? Like Bybee's velocity jump, they're able to scout and know what's there. So I think, I do think they'll lean more college. Um, but it, honestly, at the end of the day, it's going to be who's on the board. I, I think they're standing there ready and waiting to pounce on who slides. And, you know, I'll give you the three players that I think are most likely to slide in this draft class that could end up playing for your Cleveland Guardians after our next commercial break. Let's now talk about our fantastic friends over at BuiltBar.com. They still have a granola. I talked about the granola is my favorite brand. If I didn't have like a box over here and some in the fridge because it's a whole box of the birthday cake. Birthday cake is great. I would have loved to have a whole box sent to me, though, of the granola. And right now, they still have the white chocolate berry granola. That is the only one I have not tried, though, so it's very tempting to order. Coconut brownie chunk puffs. They do coconut. They do brownie. They do puff. Also, well, I guarantee that one is delicious. 
brownie batter, and I was just noticing raspberry lemonade. I missed that one. That intrigues me. Gluten-free built bars right there. They say it right on the top, and that is the thing I love about them. Now they're even going out of their way to point out that they have ones that are specifically gluten-free. Uh, if you are like me, that is a big deal. That is something you love, and these are the best-tasting protein bars you'll find. I've been eating them for two years now, three years now, nonstop. I love BuiltBar.com. When you go to BuiltBar.com, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. It's the code I use to save 15% on all of my orders from BuiltBar.com. Uh, gets an A from my food tracking app. Gets an A in my heart. Remember, that's BuiltBar.com, and you want to save yourself money by using the promo code LOCKED15. So there is widely viewed in this draft class to be a top seven, top eight. Uh, but I will say a year ago, we thought Khalil Watson was part of kind of those internal high groupings, and look how far he fell. Uh, Matt McLean was kind of, like, he was that guy who was, he was just, I think I had him 11 or 12, but I could have easily slotted him in. Like, I really thought, and I had Sal Freilich in the top 10. He was kind of outside that first grouping. Uh, so guys slide. That always happens. There's going to be somebody who does the Frank Mezzichito. There's going to be someone who pops someone under slot. The one thing I'll say that might limit that this year, though, is like the thought is Jacob Berry is going to be a little bit cheaper. Is he the guy who maybe goes somewhere? Uh, could there be, you know, how much is Gavin Cross? I'm So I'm going to some behind baseball here. I, I have Gavin Cross in the teens on my own personal list. And... Going through my historical data of players, going through my own memory of it, Gavin Cross is like a 50 or 55 at everything. And when I talk about the idea of a player who's too safe, it's it's a Gavin Cross. It's He does everything kind of well, but the problem is they have to continue. He has to be the same guy now. There can't be anything where it's like, okay, so it turns out his power is more like 45, or his hit tool is actually about a 40. It doesn't work. Because if you don't have a carrying tool and you're just kind of that safe guy who does you know, is a master of, you know, I can't think of the old expression, uh, even though I had it, uh, you know, I am that, you know, a uh, master of eh, whatever. You know, my point, if you don't have that carrying tool and you're just the safe guy, that profile scares me because that is often the guy who busts because you need a carrying tool in baseball. You need something that kind of flashes or you have to be incredibly steady and have no regression at all or have no difficulties at all. So as I go through this class, I'm just kind of looking at like the MLB list right now because that's more of a consensus board from what I have gotten through the years. They talk with people and see how the board's going to shake out. I think you know the first name that we're – I've seen multiple places, and I think it makes sense – is Jace Jung. Jace Jung has been uh, just absolute dynamite in school. I think – let me put it this way. I would be very happy if the Guardians ended up with Jace Jung. He is on my own personal board – See, I have him ninth. And yes, I mean, to me, the top tier is about seven. Well, that's a little bit weird. So I actually, apparently I can't count. I need to go back and recheck my board because I go four, five, six, seven, nine. So that's an issue. So I actually have Jace Jung eighth. Good to know. Uh, He's the first guy I have kind of outside of that top tier. I just think that he is going to, uh, he's going to produce. He has... So he's got a weird swing, and he's got a weird approach, but he hits for power, and he gets on base, and he walks a ton, and the contact data is not bad for him either. And it just comes down to, like, where does he play? Can he play second base? Is he a left fielder? Is he a first baseman? Is is he a DH? Like, if he could legitimately stick a third like his brother, he's, he's probably in that, like, upper tier of players. 
because he's been incredibly productive. I think he's going to be a plus on base, plus power guy. And, you know, the other thing is it was a bit of a disappointing year. Like, he had 21 home runs last year, 14 this year. Did cut back on the strikeouts, though. So there's a lot of, like, it is an all-offensive profile. And I prefer it to Jacob Berry's just because I think there's a better chance he can actually play a valuable position. So he is a guy who I think could slide a bit. Uh in terms of just the top players on this board, uh, you know, if I'm going through the list, it feels like Jackson Holiday, Drew Jones, Elijah Green are all loved. Tamar Johnson loved. Brooks Lee, there's some talk about injury. If he is hurt and teams are worried, he could be the guy to slide. Uh, the Guardians, I, I mean, if you were to slide to them, it'd be a no-doubt, no-brainer, maybe the best current contact hitter in this class. Uh, not a shortstop, but if teams get scared off by that, he could be the guy who maybe slides just due to teams get very worried about injuries. We know this. We know that an injury can scare people off. And then, like, who is the, I don't know, like, this is the thing, to pick a third guy who's going to slide. Daniel Susak, some people have him as a top 10 talent in this board, but here's the thing. I don't think he makes sense to the Guardians because I can't tell you the last time they drafted a draft-eligible sophomore. They just don't do it. It is something they do not do. Like, I've heard the Guardians, someone mentioned, like, Sterling Thompson to them, Sterling Thompson. They they don't draft draft-eligible sophomores. It's just never been a part of their approach. If they go under slot, some names to, to keep in mind there. Brandon Sprout from Florida because they love they love to mine that program. Uh, I think Carson Wisenhunt, not necessarily doing the best on the Cape, but like a lefty they saw last year. I'm sure if they did a, decide to check out a weekend series at ECU, they have some familiarity, and he's got good stuff. He just hasn't performed well on the Cape this year. And then, you know, if you're looking for interesting build types. I think Drew Gilbert and Jet Williams will both get drafted later than they should because they're sub 5'10". And Gilbert has... Gilbert is not just a plus defender in center field. He was also off the mound at 92, like, as a pitcher. So it's like he's got a cannon. You put him in center field, he's covering ground. He can actually have one of the best arms a center fielder has. And he had really great contact rates. I don't think he's going to be a power guy. I think Jet Williams might have better in league average power. Uh, but I think Gilbert is more, Gilbert's definitely a low ceiling pick and I've seen him a lot more to someone like San Francisco. So if they were to draft Gilbert, the idea would be, he would be the underslot guy there. And then at 36, it could come back and look at someone like Brandon Brea or Noah Schultz or one of those prep arms that might slide because there's so many J.R. Ritchie. There's going to be a prep arm on the board at 36. So if you grab a Drew Gilbert, because Gilbert won't, get you to 30 i'm sorry 37 gilbert won't get to 37 but if you take him at 16 and you get under slot then you can get one of those prep arms at 37 is the thought there and gilbert i mean it's a profile that really screams for me no worse than a platoon type i just think it's it's the high contact rate it's the speed it's uh the arm it's the defensive ability with good contact rates there's a lot to like there and i'll just keep you know Saying, if you want a contact rate speed guy, Adrian Chase is one of the most slept-on players. And That's not his name. Chandler Simpson. Why do I keep wanting to say Adrian Chase? I don't know. 
Chandler Simpson uh, is one of the most slept on players in this class. Uh, fastest, probably the fastest human being in this draft. And in the second best conference in college baseball, he had one of the best contact rates. One of the hardest players to strike out. So I, you know, when I look at my own personal list, I think he's in play. Logan Tanner, we know how much they value defense, and he's the premier college defender in this class. Trey Dombrowski, I, he screams. Him and um, Drew Thorpe are two of those guys, like round two, round three. Just to me, they really pop off. And then just to throw a name out there, Clark Elliott, the outfitter from Michigan, the most common comp, and it's a weird comp for a guy who's more of a second-round guy, but you see a lot of people comping him to Michael Brantley, which I think is more just like people not realizing how good Michael Brantley was, that like peak Michael Brantley was a top-five outfielder and was about the only guy who would say was you know, in the derivation range of Mike Trout. Now, he was far away from it. He was more of a poor man's Trout, but to be a poor man's Trout is an excellent player. So I, when I see that, I think it's a little bit... Of, people not realizing how good um, Brantley was. But uh, in Elliott, there's a lot more, I think, concern risk for um, Platoon. But he's another guy, just a spot. And then the Guardians have liked guys who can hit, who can be a little bit thicker or can be like first base only, may not have a position. Uh, They've liked that type of performer. You know, I think about Ulysses Cantu. I think about Joe Naranjo. And this guy isn't necessarily like a thicker. And when I say thicker, I don't mean that in like the negative way. I mean, just like kind of like barrel-chested strong types. Um, I don't mean like extra weight. I just mean like strong. Like guys who have kind of like big shoulders, solid body types who might be more of like they can only play for a space. And the guy in this year's class is Sal Stewart. He's the guy who just hits everywhere he goes. Uh, he's probably a first baseman. I think he played. I don't think he played third base in high school. Um, played at a you know a, a well-known program as well, and he's just constantly hit. And I think you know if they look for their Naranjo, their Ulysses Cantu type, Sal Stewart's one of those guys too. And if they save money, again, if they go under slot, if they take uh, you know a pitcher, if they were to jump like Jake Bennett was a rumored guy, Brandon Sprout there, if they go like Drew Gilbert and go with. Uh, an outfield bat type, then like I said, you come back at 37 and probably try and get, uh, get one of the, uh, the, the prep arms. And then the second round, I feel that sets them up for, you know, they're going to see like kind of from that tier of maybe a catcher if one slides or one of the uh, college arms they like, and then it sets them up to start day three. You know, it's kind of like they did with PD Halpin, not day three, I should say round three. And try to get that prep guy for a little for you know significantly more than slot i've been jeff ellis this has been lockdown guardians podcast for this week remember to rate and review download daily it helps hit that subscribe button on youtube as well uh i want to thank everyone who's been downloading listening commenting and interacting with me through my twitter or through the uh the youtubes and as i end every show now go go guardians go